Hello and welcome to the Ecom Sales Tax Podcast, a multi-state tax solutions production. In this podcast, our goal is to help e-commerce sellers and their advisors keep up with the constantly changing world of sales tax and things are changing. So let's get started. I'm your host, Andy Johnson. I'm a CPA, best-selling author of now uh, of Start With Nexus. And uh, I've got with me my co-host, Dan Peisner. Dan is one of the country's foremost authorities in the world of e-commerce taxes and my assistant author of the AICPA course on multi-state income tax. Hi, Dan. Hey there, Andy. Things are crazy right now in the world of sales tax, are they not? Very much so. Uh, very much so. Wayfair is driving everything wild. Thank you for bringing up Wayfair, Dan, because um, I want to uh, sh- to just kind of update people on uh, what happened and just a thumbnail sketch of what the Supreme Court has done as a result of the states trying to kill Quill. And Quill was the 1992 case that said, for, in order for a state in which you don't have any voting rights or you, you may never have even stepped foot in that state, for in order for them to impose any tax collection responsibility on you, you have to have substantial nexus in that state. And Quill said substantial nexus must for sales tax must include at least some minimal physical presence. And the states always hated that little uh, carve out for physical presence. They didn't think it was fair. And uh, over the last 25 plus years, they've been trying to get rid of Quill. And that ramped up in the last three or four years. And it took on its own movement, the Kill Quill movement. And South Dakota, uh, among a few other states, including Alabama, passed a law that basically defied Quill and hoping that it would go to the Supreme Court and that the Supreme Court would overturn its own ruling. They did this not in a vacuum. They were invited to do so by the Justice Anthony Kennedy in another decision. But all that, we don't have to talk about all those details because you can read about them or find out about them in all of our other podcast episodes or in the book, uh, Start With Nexus, has a thrilling discussion of the history of Nexus and the evolution. But anyway, uh, South Dakota passes a law hoping that it would go to the Supreme Court, and it did. It's the, it's the Wayfair case. So Wayfair, they, they told Wayfair, uh, you may not have any physical presence in our state, but you do have over 200 sales transactions in 12 months, and therefore, or over 100,000 in sales, therefore, you must collect our sales tax. Wayfair says, no, I, I can't, I not do that. I'm protected by Quill. And it went to the South Dakota Supreme Court. South Dakota Supreme Court uh, ruled in favor of Wayfair, which is what South Dakota was hoping for, so that South Dakota could appeal it onto the U.S. Supreme Court. So it went there, and um, I don't know. I think a lot of people predicted it would be overturned. And uh, then when they, they heard the oral arguments, they sort of flipped and said, oh, maybe it won't be overturned. Uh, Dan, you were always kind of in the court of that you thought it would be overturned because the rationale of the Supreme Court wouldn't take the case if they hadn't thought that they would might overturn it. 
And so they did overturn it. Am I, you know, am I representing your your position fairly there, Dan? Yep, that's correct. It was. Uh, it, it always seemed very close. Uh, you, you really listening to the the judges and reading the transcripts you could really see they were they were kind of trying to to work through the meat of the situation and uh, they were looking at the impact they were looking at the all of the the precedent that's been set since and the in trying to get really get into what is the court's proper role and and uh, i think that was really uh, the the uh, kennedy ended up more or less uh, trying to come up with a position that, that he could get four other justices to sign on to, and you had your uh, majority opinion. Yep. And uh, it was a, uh, you could say it's a sharply divided court because it was a 5-4 decision. But when you look into the dissenting opinion, uh, they did not dissent on the, that the fact that Quill was uh, decided based on a kind of a faulty, premise. The faulty premise being that the only way you could have sales tax nexus in another state is if you had some uh, physical presence. And uh, they all agreed on that, right, Dan? Yeah, they, they, the justices all agreed that uh, substantial nexus did not necessarily require physical presence. Uh, I think the, uh, and I think there's, there's very much some, some merit to the idea of, of a virtual presence. Um, but what they what what kind of ended up splitting the justices is whether the problem was really something that the the court needed to to rectify since the the court is more of a, a blunt instrument it's not a fine surgical scalpel uh, like Congress is is really meant to be uh, so they there was very much the question of is this something that the court should should overturn because stare decisis is supposed to be a a very heavy burden to carry. And, or is this something that's resolving itself and, and is very much kind of should be left to, you know, Congress to clean up. Mm-hmm. So as Yoda would say, Quill is dead and you must unlearn what you have learned. Right. So if you thought that the only way I could have Nexus, and there was a lot of companies that didn't even, a lot of pay, uh, online sellers, if you read the forums, they didn't even agree that physical presence was enough to create nexus. So they must really unlearn it because um, physical presence isn't the only test for whether you are obligated to collect sales tax in another state, according to the Supreme Court, right? Um, it's, it goes, it's much easier to have nexus than that, according to the Supreme Court. Now, the Supreme Court could be overruled themselves, right? How, how could how could we get right back to a physical presence test? Well, I think the the most unlikely would be the the Supreme Court reversing themselves. They they really uh, with stare decisis, they really don't like looking at an issue. And uh, even if you you have a radical court change, as everybody's talking about with with Kennedy, kind of the retire now uh, being up for retirement. Uh, even if you somehow had a, a radical court, I don't think they would necessarily want to revisit the issue just yet. Uh, if you look at the the time frame between Quill and and between Wayfair, you've got the better part of of, of uh, almost 20 years. You've got a lot that's changed since then. 
you've got uh, a complete evolution of the way that business is done and uh, you over you can't make that the you can't say that within a few years you're going to get that same kind of change the last thing the supreme court wants is to be relitigating uh, every hot button issue every term right. uh, the i think the more likely way uh, to kind of go back to a physical presence would be through congress and when i say more likely not by much unfortunately uh, congress is is uh, I think they were kind of hesitant to act in the first place because of the perception that this would be a uh, it, this imposition of this would be an additional tax if you suddenly made everybody collect tax everywhere. Now the Supreme Court is the boogeyman that has done this, so to speak, and Congress is in the clear. All they have to do is just watch and observe carefully, which is pretty much what they have all said they're going to do. And we maybe we might get a modifying law to kind of soften the edges of the, the 200 transactions maybe, but I don't see us, the, the genie's out of the bottle and I don't see us going back to the, the days of quill. I agree with you, Dan. I agree with you. I, I think in my opinion, which is worth nothing uh, when I speculate on what Congress will do, um, it's, if, if Congress were to act, it's more likely they would now than before because before if they said physical presence isn't the test then they're imposing a tax collection responsibility on a lot of sellers and they don't want to do that but now that the Supreme Court has done it now uh, Congress can kind of come in and be the hero assuming they agree on anything and we know that Congress doesn't agree on anything so chances are that we're stuck with what we got so what do we have we have the rule still that says substantial nexus is the test. The only thing that's been taken away from that is that physical presence is the only way you could have substantial nexus. And then I thought this language from the, from the, from the majority decision uh, was interesting to me as a, as a nexus nerd because they said uh, not only is substantial nexus is still the rule, but here's the test, and it's a very low threshold type of test they said if a taxpayer or a tax collector, quote, avails itself of the substantial privilege of carrying on business in a state, that could be seen as substantial nexus, right? Right. That's, that's kind of new language from, from my uh, study of this over the years that just availing yourself of, of the privilege of carrying on there. What to me, what they're saying, and you disagree with me if you, if you do that, it is a privilege to have even a customer in another state and to carry on business with that customer. And so if you want to avail yourself of that privilege of going into another state and selling goods to somebody in that state, then pretty much you have substantial nexus. Is that the way you read that? Well, I think a lot of the I think a lot of the online sellers would say the privilege depends on the customer as to whether it's a real privilege or not. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that the, the, certainly a state court uh, that then the state courts do love to find in, in favor of their taxing laws would argue that even one customer is a substantial uh, by their, which way you're availing yourself of, of a uh, substantial privilege. Uh, I don't. I don't think uh, we can, certainly I don't think we're going to be counting on the first prong of uh, 
uh, complete auto transit, which is the substantial nexus clause to, to come to the and save the day in this case. Mm -hmm. Now, courts can only rule on the facts at hand, right? And, and this was a South Dakota law that was being, that is held unconstitutional by South Dakota Supreme Court. And South Dakota is appealing to the U.S. Supreme Court saying, I think our law is constitutional as long as you overturn Quill. And the law at issue said that if you have 200 transactions in our state or over 100,000 in sales, that you have substantial nexus. And the Supreme Court said, you're right. We, th we agree with you, right? But Dan, I know you love this meme right here. Because this... Love is a very I mean, strong word, Andy. All right, you really like it. No, I'm being sarcastic. I'm not sure you like it at all. Uh, <laughs> but this is my interpretation of, you know, like a zombie, right? Mm -hmm. So Quill may be dead, but Nexus goes on, right? And so uh, in our show notes, we're going to make available this link to the top 10 Nexus creating activities that are still totally valid. This is pre-Quill, post-Quill. If you lease personal property to others or you maintain inventory in another state like FBA sellers do, then you you already have Nexus and without regard to Quill uh, or Wayfair, right? Uh, the other thing, whereas um, sales tax issues was was kind of maybe relegated for big concerns to e-commerce sellers that maybe use Amazon FBA because that automatically gave them physical presence in 25 plus states. Now it, it moves out of just, just an e-commerce concern. It is a big concern to e-commerce sellers. And that's why we're talking about it here, but it really goes beyond e-commerce sellers because whereas in the past we were argued about whether uh, where you had physical presence and whether inventory created physical presence and how dare a state do that, that's really not the big question anymore. I mean, physical presence automatically is substantial nexus, but now you can have substantial nexus just by virtue of, of making sales into a state. Exactly. And I think any at this point, anybody selling anything into a state needs to be very aware of, of any potential sales tax nexus and need to be aware of uh, the taxability. They need to be aware of uh, the, all of the, the various thresholds. And it's going to, I, I think, some of the finer points of this, uh, what constitutes a transaction, especially you get something like a software sale uh, with a periodic billing. Now, just selling software into a state could create nexus. How do you how do you deal with that? What constitutes a if you've got a monthly billing is each billing a separate sale for purposes of the two hundred transactions or do you just have the one contract? Uh, right, those are the kind on the spot. I have my own uh, that came up in our last webinar. Like, what is a transaction? What do you think? I mean, Supreme Court is not going to define that, so it, it comes down to a dictionary definition. So, what do you think? You you make installment you know, subscription payments. What do you think? Uh, I think each, knowing the states, uh, my guess is that each individual invoice that you send is a separate transaction for that, for that purpose. And 
I would imagine we'll be seeing some regulations on that in the not terribly distant future. But uh, if, if I'm, if I'm being cautious and coming into this with, uh, with a chance to, to get, get set up and collect tax in the forefront and, and not be stuck with a tax collection responsibility on the back end, I'm probably going to look towards that and, and not, be, not be hopeful for anything else. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost positive that it's payment by payment. I mean, it's transaction. So transaction right. and its definition, you know, is any interchange, right? <clears throat> so I'm, um, I'm pretty sure that one thing I think we can say is that uh, whereas states had a lot of power before because they're passing notice and reporting laws, they're passing laws in direct contradiction to the physical presence rule. Uh, now, I mean, they had a lot of power before, and now they have the full endorsement of the Supreme Court. And uh, I think that you know, it's 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 beyond wild, wild west of state tax now. Now it's you know, with the endorsement, the sheriff is in town, and the sheriff said, "Yeah, do whatever you want." And in fact, um, nineteen states already had this uh, an economic presence law in place, so that. Um, when the Supreme Court, if and when they agreed that economic presence creates nexus, they were ready to go. And I think we can expect a bunch of different states to to, uh, to join that, that list pretty soon. So let's talk about, Dan, you've got your um, our sales tax resource chart open. This is a, a chart that we make available to uh, accountants, to e-commerce sellers, any kind of seller. We have uh, 26 different data points that we track for across all the different, almost all the different states um, with regards to uh, FBA, Amazon FBA issues, like when did they first have a, uh, a warehouse in that state? So you can think, oh, do I have Nexus going back that far for, for uh, uh, physical presence purposes? What about the states? What's their laws for uh, economic presence? And what are their laws for notice and reporting? What's the average sales tax rate? What's the statute of limitations? Uh, <clears throat> like I said, 26 different factors. So, Dan, I think it would be good just to highlight from your chart. Uh, and by the way, we'll make the, the chart available to you in the show notes, how you can download it. It's something that we're constantly updating because things are constantly changing. So, Dan, uh, what's what's new that you can share with our listeners uh, regarding sales tax for e-commerce sellers? Well, the uh, the first states to really jump into the fold are Hawaii and uh, uh, Kentucky. They both have they both have July one effective dates for their sales tax. So, if you if in the the last twelve months you've you've exceeded the uh, they they have identical thresholds to to uh, South Dakota. In fact, unless I say otherwise, assume all of these have identical thresholds. Uh, but if you've uh, met that within the last twelve months, uh, I would recommend a an effective going forward registration to collect sales tax and and getting things started there. Uh, Louisiana uh, is have legislation in play headed for an August start date. Uh, we'll, we're keeping an eye out to see if that makes it uh, makes it through the, the third special session they're in now. 
Uh, we've seen a uh, Ohio has was effective back in 2018, but theirs was more of a, uh, I think, almost a cookie nexus. And uh, we're waiting to see guidance on how that's going to be applied in the the wake of uh, of of Wayfair. North Dakota uh, has said they're going to give us guidance within the next 30 days, but I would count on more than likely count on registration as I believe theirs was contingent upon Wayfair being overturned. Uh, we then we've also got uh, Vermont with an effective July 2018 start date. Uh, we there's a number of other states that are are still out there that have act that have laws ready to go, but they were in the midst of of some stage of the litigation process and they have to go back to court and and kind of get things unwound with the uh, the biggest one being South Dakota itself is the, the Supreme Court did not say it's over and done with but actually remanded it to the lower court to determine if there's anything else constitutionally speaking that they need to look at and uh, I would just advise our our viewers not to not to hold out too much hope for that because Kennedy really did not leave a lot of maneuvering room uh, for, for a court to, to find. And I, I would certainly not expect the state of South Dakota to overrule their own law on this one. They pretty made, made it clear that they think it is constitutional, uh, but not for Quill at the time. Gotcha. I think it's uh, <clears throat> so that all that information is available on the chart and you can subscribe to the chart in our um, show notes, a link will be there. Uh, Dan, I, I thought it was very interesting uh, to look at how some of the other states responded to this. And so I want to share that with you uh, and get your comments. First of all, first one I want to share is what West Virginia said, which I think is kind of interesting, kind of grandstanding, or I was curious, really. Um, so the... Um, the governor of West Virginia says, Jim Justice says, when I took office and our state was struggling financially at that desperate time, I might have considered supporting legislation to enforce West Virginia sales tax on out-of-state transactions. However, now I do not support adding additional taxes on our people in this manner, which I think is interesting. I guess what he's saying, even though it's not worded really correctly when you I mean, there is always a use tax responsibility on the citizens of West Virginia. Um, but I guess what he's saying is just because the Supreme Court says that uh, you can have sales tax nexus in a state simply by having 200 transactions there doesn't mean that that will be our nexus standard. But as for digging into West Virginians' pockets when we don't need to, uh, I guess it's it's showing some valor, but it's kind of curious, isn't it? No, very much so. And uh, part of me reading this, part of my my knee jerk reaction is to wonder if this is an election year, uh, and maybe trying to do a little bit of grandstanding because he's very much uh, putting it in the. It's it, yeah, he's probably right. It is a lot of these states don't have the the law on on the books to. Uh, immediately implement Wayfair and would require a legislative change. And I think where the, the rubber is going to meet the road on that would be to see if uh, if and when that does start working its way through the 
the state legislature, kind of see see if he still uh, if he really wants to veto it at that point. Um, as you said, the the obligation's already right there, but I guess the the thought is that it's not really a tax obligation if if individual use tax compliance is virtually non-existent. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to see how he walks that back eventually because it's just hard to imagine. Um, the New Hampshire reaction to this is really interesting um, because, you know, New Hampshire doesn't have it. West Virginia has a sales tax. New Hampshire doesn't. And, um, I mean, this is by uh, Governor Sununu, Chris Sununu, and uh, he is just really striking out. And so this is really interesting because he's saying that, you know, we don't like what the Supreme Court is doing because you're making our New Hampshire businesses now get registered in all these other states. And, and we just hate it. And it, it goes against our whole uh, way of life. I mean, it says you will be in the fight for your life. Live free or die is not just a slogan on a license plate. It's the very essence of who we are. So they're saying if, if any out-of-state taxing authority, say New York, wants to come and audit one of our businesses, then you have to notify the New Hampshire Department of Justice, okay? Second, before you go try to audit one of our people, uh, one of our businesses, um, that we have to... Uh, get a written determination to you. The, our Justice Department has to agree that you have certain protections in place and meet strict requirements. not sure what he means there. Like, I don't know. Like, you, will, you won't make us, you know, go out of state to, to uh, argue that the use tax wasn't due or something. Um, and this is where I think he's giving himself some out, you know, because he wants to make a big statement but he says, uh, third, these protections and requirements will re include a safe harbor for a certain amount of sales, a prohibition against retroactive enforcement, safe harbor for small businesses. So in other words, to me, he's saying, hey, do, you can't touch us. We will fight it every way, every possible way we can, unless you're just like the South Dakota law. In that case, we'll probably agree with it. So I, I just thought that everyone assumes that every state is going to be lockstep like, oh, you mean we can now say 200 transactions and you have to collect tax in our state? We're on it. Well, here's a couple of different examples of states that kind of buck the trend. And I, I always am cynical of these things because I know politics is all about getting attention. So I just immediately assume it's all about getting attention. But there you have it. Those, those are a couple of states with basically contrarian reactions to what you might have expected. Any comment on that, Dan? Um, I reiterate my, my comment from West Virginia. It must be an election year. You got to love those midterms. And uh, I, like you said, it, it's, uh, if you, if you really unpack that a little bit, it, it's on a first glance. I mean, when I was reading that, I went, wow, uh, because it's the first state that's really pushed back and gotten, 
the, the Department of Justice involved. They're getting the legis calling a special session. I mean, that's that's not small stuff. Uh, getting takes a miracle to get Texas to call a special session, certainly. But uh, once you kind of look at it, you, you've got no retroactive. Most states have said that that's not going to be a problem. You've got no uh, protection for small sellers. Well, 100,000 or 200 transactions could be considered a protection for small business. Uh, and, and, and an unconstitutional burden, that's what this whole case was about. Uh, I, and the South Dakota remand, I think, is going to have to answer that question. Is that imposition an, a, an undue burden on interstate commerce, which if, if it's not, then it's not unconstitutional. So I think uh, it's, it, it's full of sound and fury and uh, isn't going to really signify uh, a whole lot unless now I've, I've been surprised before, but uh, it, it looks like, he, as you said, Andy, he has given himself an out. Right. All right. Uh, we're running out of time, Dan, but cover quickly uh, what's going on in Oklahoma. Certainly. Uh, despite the march of Wayfair and, and uh, the other kill quill mechanisms, uh, one of the trends that we've seen amongst the states is trying to get Amazon since, uh, and, and other, to be fair, other marketplace sellers, so to speak, to collect their taxes on behalf of their third-party sellers. Uh, Washington really showed that this could be done uh, with their law that Amazon ultimately acquiesced to. Pennsylvania followed up uh, earlier this year as effective April 1st, and now Oklahoma has followed up with a July 1st effective date. And by the way, these are these are the states for which Amazon has, has said, yes, we are going to do this. Uh, these are not just the ones that have passed the law. Uh, in this case, I was actually thinking they may not comply with, they may not do Oklahoma because they, ha I think they had a notice and reporting out that they, that they could take, but uh, they have indicated the effective July 1st, that they will collect and remit sales tax on behalf of all of their Amazon sellers. Uh, what Now, what's different about this from Washington and uh, Pennsylvania is that we, uh, upon finding out about this, we reached out to Oklahoma to really kind of figure out how the nuts and bolts of this were going to work because we've got a lot of Amazon sellers we work with. And uh, what they said is if all that you do is sell through marketplace sellers that are remitting this tax, you do not need to register in the state. Uh, it's, it, it's, that's a complete, uh, it's completely separate from what we've heard from Washington uh, and from Pennsylvania. And they also said that if you do have other sales and you, you need to register, then uh, they, what they, they've said to exclude your Amazon sales from your tax return at all, which is a, a big, uh, is certainly going to, to be a, a big help for a lot of our, uh, a lot of our, our Amazon sellers out there. It's going to, it's administratively, I think, much more efficient. Uh, and it's, uh, but it's, it's certainly a, a trend that's, that we're, we're watching very carefully. Uh, because we've we've seen, uh, I believe, Connecticut has passed similar legislation, and we're that to take effect much later this year. And we're, we're seeing if Amazon is going to acquiesce to that, and uh, we expect to see more states jump on board. All right, uh, very good, Dan. Thank you for updating us on Oklahoma, and I I, I agree that that's that seems to be a much better solution um, than Pennsylvania and Washington were offering. And it seems like that's what FBA sellers, especially small FBA sellers, would hope for. 
is that they're not also, you know, even though Amazon's collecting tax on their behalf, that they don't also have to register in that state. So that's, that's good news. Exactly. All right, Dan. Well, that concludes another episode of the Ecom Sales Tax Podcast. Thank you to all of you who listened in. And uh, we look forward to connecting with you either through LinkedIn uh, and or salestaxforonlinesellers.com. So we'll see you over there. Dan, thank you very much. Thank you, Andy.